up in Genesis chapter 31, continuing the story of Jacob and his uncle Laban. Now, when Jacob heard that the sons of Laban were saying, Jacob has taken all that was our father's, and from what was our father's, he has gained all his wealth. Wow. So when he heard, now these are things that you hear, when he heard envy and jealousy, when he heard those things, he had some decisions to make. Now, now, now brothers and sisters, you have to understand, never ignore J and E. Never ignore jealousy and envy because both of these are attitudes that get in people's hearts and are destructive. Now notice what the sons were saying. Jacob has taken all that was our father. Did Jacob take anything? No, it was purely performance-based. But Jacob was accused now because, forgive me, the sons, and please forgive me for saying this, but the sons were kind of worthless. The sons had no blessing on their life, and the sons didn't do a good job taking care of their, their flocks and herds. So their flocks and herds did not grow, but Jacob's did. Now, when God blesses you, and there's nothing that makes people angrier than failure while somebody else is being blessed. Now, get a hold of that truth, okay? Never miss on, never ignore it when God is blessing you and other people are not being blessed because they're always going to have envy and jealousy in their hearts. And now they begin to accuse. They accuse. Now, accusations are a natural product of jealousy and envy. Let me say that again. Accusations are a product of jealousy and envy. Let me say that one more time. Accusations are a product of jealousy and envy. And Jacob saw that Laban did not regard him with favor as before, all right? So Laban's attitude had changed. Then the Lord said to Jacob, so, all right, expect guidance. Expect guidance when jealousy and envy accuse. Expect God to give you guidance. Return to the land of your fathers and to your kindred, and I will be with you. So here is a command with a promise. Command with a promise. That's a beautiful truth. When God tells you to go do something, he gives you a promise with it. Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah into the field where his flock was. Now notice, immediate response. Whenever God speaks, immediate response. And he said to them, I see that your father does not regard me with favor as he did before. But the God of my father has been with me. This was the covenant that they had made. You know, I have served your father with all my strength. Okay. So there was no, there was no guilt in Jacob's heart. Now, th this is important. Whenever you see God blessing you, and you're serving somebody else that God is not blessing, um, make sure that you've done all the hard work, okay? That way there's no guilt. There's, there, there's no problem. There's no problem in your conscience. Yet your father cheated me and changed my wages 10 times, but God did not permit him to harm me. Now, there's a beautiful truth. God did not permit him to harm me. Now, notice. 
10 times his wages were changed. 10 times. Now, here's a truth you have to learn. When you are doing performance-based, must be honest on both on both sides. Now, we saw that Jacob had honesty built into the system. But Jacob didn't build, but Laban did not build honesty into his system. He changed, he cheated, and he changed the wages 10 times. If you are a business owner and you've set up one of your employees on performance-based and they start making a lot of money, you know what? You just need to be careful that you don't start cheating them now because you think, no, no, I want more of that for myself. They're making you a lot of money too. If he said the spotted will be your wages, then all the flock bore spotted. If he said the striped shall be your wages, then all the flock bore striped. Thus God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. Jacob never did this. Jacob did not steal sheep. He didn't try to go around and get all the sheep to follow him. Jacob did not steal sheep. God took away the sheep, but Jacob did not steal the sheep. There is a difference. In the breeding season of the flock, I lifted up my eyes and I saw in a dream that the goats that made it with the flock were striped, spotted, and mottled. Then the angel of the Lord said to me in a dream, Jacob, and I said, here I am. Lift up your eyes and see all the goats that mate with the flock are striped, spotted, and mottled, for I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. He said, I've seen all this. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and made a vow to me. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar. This is a house of God. And Bethel means house of God. And you made a vow to me. All right. God remembers vows we made and acts. He said, listen, I remember the vow that you made to me. He said, now, I've seen everything that he's done. I remember the vow that you made to me. Now arise, go out of this land and return to the land of your kindred. Then Rachel and Leah answered and said to him, Is there any portion or inheritance left to us in our father's house? Are we not regarded by him as foreigners? For he sold us, and he has indeed devoured our money. All the wealth that God has taken away from our father belongs to us and to our children. Now then, whatever God has said to you, do. So Jacob arose and set his sons and his wives on camels. And he drove away all his livestock and all his property that he gave, gained and the livestock in his possession that he acquired in Paraaram to go to the land of Canaan to his father Isaac. Laban had gone to shear his sheep and Rachel stole her household gods. Now this is the beginning of a story of the gods from beyond the river. These are demon gods that stumbled the people of Israel for generations after generations after generations. So you can, you can trace, trace the concept. And Jacob tricked Laban the Arminian by not telling him that he intended to flee. He fled with all that he had. Now, there was no need for this. No need. God had said, I'm with you. There's no need to do things trickery. There's no need for deception. If God is with you, then you can do things honestly. No need. God's presence protects. 
He fled with all he had, and he rose and crossed the Euphrates and set his face toward the hill country of Gilead. When it was told Laban on the third day that Jacob had fled, he took his kinsmen with him and pursued him for seven days, and followed close after him into the hill country of Gilead. But God came to Laban the Armenian in a dream by night and said, Be careful, do not say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. And Laban overtook Jacob, and Jacob had pitched his tent in the hill country, and Laban and his kinsmen pitched their tents in the hill country of Gilead. And Laban said to Jacob, What have you done, that you tricked me, and driven away my daughters like captives of the sword? Why did you flee secretly and trick me and did not tell me, so that I might have sent you away with mirth and songs and with tambourine and lyre? Why did you not permit me to kiss my sons and my daughters for well? Now you have acted foolishly, and really Jacob had. God would have protected him. God did not tell him to do things deceitfully. It is in my power to do you harm, but the God of your father spoke to me last night, saying, Be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. And now that you have gone away because you longed greatly for your father's house, but why did you steal my gods? Hey, you got your own God. Why did you steal my gods? And Jacob answered and said to Laban, Because I was afraid, for I thought you would take your daughters from me by force. All right, so fear, fear is a source of deception. When people are in fear, they bring deception. Anyone with whom you find your God shall not live. In the presence of our kinsmen, point out what I have taken that is yours and take it. Now Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. So Laban went to Jacob's tent and into Leah's tent and into the tent of the two female servants, but he did not find them. And he went out of Leah's tent and entered Rachel's. Now Rachel had taken the household god and put them in a camel's saddle and sat on them. Laban felt all about the tent, but did not find them. She said to her father, Lord, let not my Lord be angry that I cannot rise before you, for the way of women is upon me. So he searched, but did not find the household gods. Then Jacob became angry and berated Laban. And Jacob said to Laban, What is my offense? What is my sin that you have hotly pursued me? For you have felt through all my goods, and you have found, and have you found all of your household gods? Set it here before my kinsmen and your kinsmen, that they may decide between us two. For twenty years I have been with you. Your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried, and I have not eaten the rams of your flocks. What was torn by wild beasts I did not bring to you. I bore the loss of it myself. From your hand you required it, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. There I was by day, the heat consumed me, and, by, and the cold by night, and my sleep fled my eyes. These twenty years I have been in your house. I served fourteen years for your two daughters, six years for your flocks, and you have changed my wages ten times. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham and the fear of Isaac, had not been on my side, surely now you, had, you would have sent me away empty-handed. God saw my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked you last night. Wow. Now, Jacob... Jacob's words. Now, we know that the idols were stolen by his wife. Be very careful with your words, because sometimes you don't know everything. Let me say that again one more time. Be very careful with your words. If all of a sudden those idols had been found, 
the tables would have turned drastically because he really shot his mouth off. Now, brothers and sisters, sometimes when people attack you and your innocence is proven, be a little cautious with your response. Don't use it as enough. Be magnanimous in victory, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Because sometimes you don't know everything others around you have done. Let me say that again. You don't know everything others around you have done. You may be innocent, but people around you may have done the deed. So be careful with your word because this thing could have turned around really bad, really fast. Then Laban answered and said to Jacob, the daughters are my daughters and the children are my children and the flocks are my flocks and all that you see is mine. But what can I do this day for these daughters or their children for whom they have born? Come now, let us make a covenant, you and I, and let it be a witness between you and me. So Jacob took a stone and set it up as a pillar. And Jacob said to the kinsmen, gather stones. And they took stones and made a heap, and they ate there by the heap. Laban called it Jagar Shaladuhath, but Jacob called it Galid. And Laban said, this heap is a witness between you and me today. Therefore he named it Galid and Mitzvah. For he said, the Lord watch between you and me when we are out of one another's sight. If you oppress my daughters, or if you take wives beside my daughters, although no one is with us, see, God is a witness between you and me. So here's a father's heart. You know, Laban may not have been a very good man or a very good businessman, but he was a pretty good dad. Then Laban said to Jacob, See this heap and pillar which I have set between you and me. The heap is a witness and a pillar is a witness that I will not pass over this heap to you and you will not pass over this heap and this pillar to me to do harm. Notice, we can cross, but the purpose. We can come visit each other, but the purpose must never be to harm. And the God of Abraham and the God of Nahor, the God of their father, judge between us. So Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac. And Jacob offered a sacrifice of the hill country and caused, called his kinsmen to eat bread. And they ate bread and spent the night in the hill country. Early in the morning, Laban arose, kissed his grandchildren and his daughters and blessed them. Then Laban departed and returned home. Now notice, now there is peace and fellowship. Now, this is a good way to end a controversy, okay? This is a really good way to end a controversy. If you have conflict, great way to end conflict. Let's have a nice dinner. Let's have some fellowship, and let's have some peace in Jesus' name. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship. Of the Lord, we 
New Testament passage today picks up in Matthew chapter 13, the beginning of the great parable chapters. Verse 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. I like that. And sat beside the sea. How many of you like to sit beside the sea? I do. Now, the Sea of Galilee here is it's not big like, like, you know, what we're used to. It's more, it's a lot even smaller than Laguna de Bay. But sometimes when I'm in Israel down by the Sea of Galilee, I like to just go sit by the sea, especially early in the morning, all right? Jesus liked to sit by the sea. And great crowds gathered around him so that he got into a boat and sat down. Now, why did he get into a boat? Okay, this is to use the water to be a loudspeaker. That's the basis of um, AM radio stations. The, wa- the sound bounces off the water and comes up, and you can reach more people. 
and the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on the rocky ground, where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up, but since they had no depth of soil, when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns. All right, we have the path, we have the rocky ground, now we have the thorns. And thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell among good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. All right, so different soil, different harvest, different size harvest. He who has ears, let him hear. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given, to you, not to everybody, to you. It has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But to the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. That is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. Okay, he said, this is, I'm sorry, but some people just spiritually, they just don't get it. All right. For this people's heart has grown dull. Okay. Cause of hard to learn. Their heart has grown dull. And with their ears, they can barely hear. And with their eyes, they have closed. Okay, Decision. There are some people that have difficulty in learning spiritual truth because their heart has grown dull. Other people have a hard time learning spiritual truth because they made a decision to close their eyes. Lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their hearts, and understand with their heart, and then I would turn and heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. All right? My prayer. I want eyes that see and ears that hear. I want blessed eyes and blessed ears. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, all right, maybe their heart has grown dull, maybe they've closed their eyes, all right, so we have to tie these two things into this, okay? The evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart, all right, so this made it into heart, but because their hearts had grown dull and they closed their eyes, it was in their heart, but the evil one, this is Satan, comes and snatches away. Now, brothers and sisters, you have to understand that when you preach the gospel, whether it's in an open-air crusade in the province, whether it's in a service, whether it's in a connect group, whether it's by Zoom, there are people, they hear it, and the incorruptible seed of the word goes into their hearts, like First Peter promises. But 
because their hearts have grown dull or they've made a decision to close their eyes, it's stony ground. And Satan comes and steals it. Satan will not let the word of God stay in people's hearts. He will not allow it because he knows that the word of God is living and active. He knows that the word of God will produce fruit. So he doesn't want it to stay there. So he takes it out of their hearts. Okay. So you have to understand Satan does not allow it to stay. And the only way he can come and do that is to steal. As for that which is sown on the rocky ground, so now we're dealing with rocky ground. We've dealt dealt already with the path. This is the one who hears the word of God and immediately receives it with joy. Okay, they're really happy. They love the concept of salvation. Yet he has no root in himself, endures for a while, but when tribulation or persecution arise on account of the word, immediately he falls away. All right, so this is a person who gets saved, And then persecution comes and immediately falls away. You'll see people come and flood an altar, thousands of people saved. But as soon as they get home and persecution hits, or their friends start making fun of them for being a Christian, immediately they fall away. As for that which is sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, But the number one, cares of the world. Number two, the deceitfulness of riches. Choke out the word and it proves unfruitful. All right, so this is unfruitful. Now, this would be a person who stays saved for a while. But the cares of this world, and as God blesses and prosper them, there is a deceitfulness to riches. And brothers and sisters, you know I teach prosperity. But you have to also understand there is a deceitfulness to riches. This is why Paul says, Timothy, tell the rich among you not to be arrogant. One of the deceitfulnesses is, you know, people who have money think they're smarter and better than everybody else, and they're not. There is a deceitfulness to riches, and it chokes the word, and it proves unfruitful. So before long, the word of God is no longer bringing any change in these people's lives. As for what is sown in good soil, this is the one who hears the word, understands it, bears fruit, and yields, in one case, a hundred another 60, and another 30. There's the different size harvest in different people. And he put another parable before them, saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, all right, this is a great sermon on when the church is sleeping. His enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. All right, so when the church is sleeping, Satan comes and plants his children in the church. When the church is sleepy, Satan comes in and plants his children in the church. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds also appeared. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then has it become weeds? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Do you want us to go and gather them? He said, No, lest gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Now, you know, you're going to have to understand that when you look out at a group of people and you see that there are real Christians among them and you see there are false Christians among them, 
He said, I don't want you to go out and try to separate that. Now, I've watched preachers for a lifetime try to do this. You know, they want to weed out all of the bad people in church. When you start weeding out the bad people in church, you start destroying good people in church. Ah, so sometimes you let people just stay. And you recognize that, you know, Satan has planted some people among us. Maybe we got a little spiritually sleepy. Satan has planted some of his people among us. And you know what? If we'll let God take care of this. It's amazing how God will take care of this, all right? Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Now, why is all this so important? Well, first of all, I want you to notice here that the tares that are mentioned here are identical to wheat. And you only see the difference in the fruit. This is how they can tell the difference at harvest time, okay? You can't tell the difference earlier. They're identical. But at harvest time, you see a difference in the fruit. The fruit of a tare and the fruit of the wheat is different, and you can tell the difference. Now, you have to sort them out because when you mix tares with wheat, tares were poisonous and caused people to be sick. He put another parable before them. The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. Now, if you go with us to Israel, you'll see mustard seeds are tiny, 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 tiny. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. So this little tiny seed grows into something really big. He said, now that's, that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. It starts really, really small, Man, it can really grow. He told them another peril. The kingdom of heaven is like a woman who took and hid three measures of flowers till they were leavened. Well, we're going to pick up on that one tomorrow. All right. One more thing today before we close out. We always go to Proverbs for just a little bit of wisdom. Now let's go to Proverbs to close out today. A little bit of wisdom. Proverbs chapter 3, beginning with verse 19. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. So by wisdom, by understanding. By his knowledge, the deeps were broken open and the clouds dropped, dew, dropped down the dew. My son, do not lose sight of these. This is something that you and I are always to pay attention to. Do not let sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion for they will be life to your soul and adornment to your neck. Now, we talked about loyalty being a beautiful necklace around your neck. Wisdom and discretion are also a beautiful adornment for your neck. He said, then, when, when you keep wisdom and discretion as a part of your life, then you will walk on your way securely and your foot will not stumble. You will not be afraid. Your sleep will be sweet. Now, notice four blessings. One, two, three, four. Four blessings of wisdom and discretion. Verse 25. Do not be afraid of sudden terror or the ruin of the wicked when it comes. Okay. When, not if. It always comes. You'll always see the wicked destroyed. Okay. For the Lord will be your confidence. I like that. 
the Lord will be your confidence. Where do you get your confidence from? In your own abilities? No. Not in own abilities. But in God. And will keep your foot from being caught. You won't be caught in a trap. Now here's a big one. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Now, it's not always in your power. You know, sometimes you just, you don't have the ability to do it. But if it's in your ability to do good to somebody, do good to them. But if it's not in your ability, okay, you're fine. But do not withhold good to those from whom it is due. If people are due some good things from you, don't withhold it when it is in your power to do it, when it is in your power, your ability to do it. Now, if it's not in your ability to do it, God does not hold you responsible to do it. But if it is in your ability to do it, we must always do good to those to whom it is due. Amen. All right, we'll see you tonight in the service.